You've already heard that we're in the book of John, and so I invite you to take a copy of God's Word and look with us, the book of John, chapter 6, as we begin reading with verse 26. Uh, Tonight, this passage is a long passage, but I want us to look at it as a whole. As Jesus is talking to the people. Now, as you're turning there, let me tell you what's been taking place. Uh, Jesus has fed the 5,000. We looked at that a few weeks ago. He, uh, he multiplied the, the bread and the fish. Then Jesus, the disciples went into the water the, uh, to go to the other side of the, uh, the lake, and Jesus walked on water. And now we come back to the story as people are looking for Jesus. And verse 25, they found him on the other side. And they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Look at what he says in beginning with verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. And therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And so they said to him, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not, it is not Moses who had given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from out of heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I would certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that all of that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. And they were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. 
as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats with me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. And these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Pray with me. Our Father, today, as we look at this passage, this long passage, help us to understand it. The Father will understand what Jesus is saying, but also help us, Father, that we'll understand why they got mad at him. Because, Father, if we're not careful, we get mad at you for the same reasons. We pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. The reason I read this text in its entirety is because this text is one conversations with the Jews. It's one of the longest conversations you'll ever find in Scripture of Jesus talking to a crowd. And so here's the crowd. Jesus has fed the 5,000, as I said. He goes across the, the, the lake. They, they follow him. They come to him, and they want to talk to him. They want more bread. They saw him do the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. They want more bread. And so this is called by many people the bread of life discourse. Jesus is talking about bread. Now, what's interesting, when he begins the conversation, they love him. By the time he finishes the conversation, they don't like him. They loved him at first, and then they became angry. Now, the question is, why did he preach? What did he preach that made them mad? I mean, as I read this, did, did you see what would make them upset? Again, it's a long narrative. Jesus has done miracles. He still a storm. They've seen the miracles of God, and yet they're still mad at him. They're looking for Jesus. They're looking for this miracle meal that he would give to them. And now, in fact, one of the gospels said they wanted to take Jesus and make him a king by force. Now, this is understandable. If you had a king that can always feed you, you'll never have any problems. I mean, you had a king like that, well, let's make him king so we'll never go hungry again. And so, one of the other gospels was talking about how they wanted to make Jesus king. And so, Jesus, instead of talking about becoming king, he talks to them about the bread of life discourse. So tonight, I want to really answer three questions. The first question is, what did Jesus say? The second question, why were the people mad? And the third question, how did Jesus respond? So let's look at it. What did Jesus say? He said twice. Well, let's look, look at it, verse 48, the second time. I am the bread of life. Recently, I was reading an article, The World's Most Expensive Meals. There's a restaurant in Tokyo, uh, ramen you could have for $110. Really? Or, or in Italy, there's a restaurant you can have what they call the, the Louis XIII pizza. It has lobster, caviar, eight different types of cheese, seasoned with hand-picked pink Australian river salt. It sells for $12,000 a pizza. But my favorite is the Capital Dog in Sacramento, California. It's called the ultimate dog. It's the hot dog, most expensive hot dog in the world, $145.99. In the description of this dog, it said, besides all the ingredients, it's made with a special bun. There you go. 
That's why it's $145. It's made with a special bun. Listen, bread is important. I'm not sure it's worth $145 for one hot dog. Although it did look good. I have to admit, I saw the picture. Bread is essential in almost every culture in the world. Bread is the staple of the food. Bread is something you can talk to almost any person in the world and they would understand. And Jesus is using that image to describe who he is. He said, I am the bread of life. Now, in the Greek language, he is very precise. He says, I am, but it has two verbs put together. So basically, this is what Jesus is actually saying. I am, I am the bread of life. Or even another way, I, even I am. The emphasis is on I am, not the emphasis on the bread. The emphasis is on the word I am. Did that sound familiar? Mark's already said I did that series on the I am passages. They remember when Moses was standing at the, at the burning bush, and he said to God, God, who are you? And God said, I am who I am. Jesus is saying, I am, I am the bread of life. Every time Jesus says this, they knew what he was saying. He is saying that he is God. Now, Jesus is going to do something he does all the time. He takes something they understand, something in the material, and move it to the spiritual. And and so, for example, Nicodemus, he took the the image of, of birth and said, you must be born again. He took the image of water. John chapter 4, the woman at the well, he took water and talked about living water. Here he's taking something they all understood, and that is the bread. And that culture, bread, was very important. To give you an idea, if we go out to eat, if you, if you can afford it, if you go out to eat, you go to a restaurant, we look at the entrees, what we're going to order. Rarely do we look at, I wonder what kind of bread they serve, unless it's patties. Patties is different. But in Jesus' day, they, many people didn't have bread. I mean, didn't have meat. You started with bread. In Jesus' day, meat was simply a side dish. The bread was the major part of the meal. They understood this is essential. Everyone understood this concept of bread. Bread in that culture was a mean of fellowship. If you broke bread, we still say that. If you broke bread with someone, it means you're friends for life. The Bible of Bethlehem is the house of bread where the temple was continually filled with the showbread. It represented God. Remember when Jesus uh, did the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, and they took up the baskets, the 12 baskets of bread? You know, I talked about how in that day you would give something to the, the, the disciples of the rabbi. This was a symbol for them. But there's another reason that it was important, because in the book of Leviticus chapter 24, the priests put out 12 loaves of fresh bread in the temple each Sabbath as a sign of God's presence. Whenever you heard the idea, the concept of 12 pieces of bread or 12 baskets of bread, they knew what it meant. This represented the presence of God. So here's Jesus saying to them, I am, I am the bread. This is who I am. And what he's saying is, I am the bread that will satisfy you. I am the bread of life. Now, in the Greek language, there's two words for bread, for, for, I mean, for life. One word is the word bios. We get biology from it. And the other is zoe. Bios is the word for physical life. But that's not the word Jesus used here. He used the word zoe, which means quality of life. And a lot of times we think it means eternal life. No, it means more than that. It means the quality of life today. 
What Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I give you purpose in life. I will make a difference in your existence today. Now, later on, he talks about eternal life. But right now, he's saying, I am the one who will give you life. And to make a point, he says to these, these people, you know, you eat, you get hungry again. You drink, you get thirsty again. But I am the bread of life. And what I will offer you, you'll never get hungry. Now, he's not talking about the physical food. He's talking about your heart. He said, I am the bread of life. If you come to me, I will satisfy you. Nothing else in the world will satisfy you. You can look everywhere to try to find something that will satisfy you, but only God can do it. Look what he says in verse 27. Do not work for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Jesus said, quit focusing on things that will perish. Focus on the bread of life that will last forever. J.C. Penney was a good, honest man. But early in his life, he focused on success and money. When he worked, he worked for $6 a week. His ambition was to be worth $100,000 back in that day. He said, if I could ever get to that situation, I felt like maybe my, my temporary satisfaction. But then it, he wanted to make more money. Then he wanted to make more money. Finally, he made over a million dollars early in life. And so J.C. Penney and his wife worked hard to expand their business. They worked around the clock. But one day, she developed a cold, simple cold. And from that, she developed pneumonia. And it was then that J.C. Penney realized that having all the money in the world was a poor substitute for the real purpose in life. He said this. He said, when she died, my world crashed around me. To build a business, to make success in the eyes of men, to accumulate money. What was the purpose of life? I felt mocked by life, even by God himself. Right after that, he had several other major heartaches. And finally, he was financially ruined in deep distress. And that's when he found God. He gave his life to Jesus when he was at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. This is what he said after he gave his life to Jesus. I had to pass through fiery ordeals before reaching glimmering of conviction that it's not enough for men to be upright and moral men. When I was brought to humility and the knowledge of dependence upon God, sincerely and earnestly seeking God's aid, it was forthcoming and a light illuminated my being. I cannot otherwise describe it than to say it changed me as a man. He was a man who only wanted to make money. He was a man who only wanted success. He lost it all. He lost his wife. But then he found Jesus, and he found life. He found the bread of life. Pascal was a physicist, mathematician. He said there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man, which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus. I believe that. I think every person on the planet, you have a hole in your life that only Jesus can fit. And people go through life trying to fit that hole with something. Maybe success, maybe pleasure, maybe something physical, maybe relationships, whatever it may be. But it doesn't fit. Oh, it lasts maybe a little bit, and then after, after a little bit, it goes away. And you try to find something else, you try to find something else. But the only thing that will make a difference is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the bread of life which will satisfy you. Not only that, he said, I am the bread of life which will sustain you. 
He says, I come to give you life. I will sustain you. That's what bread does. When you're eating bread, it sustains your life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I will sustain you. When you have communion with me, I will get you through life. When bread only sustains physical life, Jesus said, I will give you spiritual life forever. I will give you purpose in life. I will sustain you. Salvation is so much more than just knowing you're going to go to heaven. Salvation is experiencing joy and peace here on this planet. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and my I will sustain you. He said, I am the, the bread of life of which I will save you. That's what he's talking about here. Look at verse 47. Again, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Now he's talking about eternal life. He said, I am the bread of life. I will give you the essence. I will give you purpose in life. But more than that, I will give you life that will save you eternally. Now, you have to understand, when Jesus is talking about the bread, you have to be in the sandals of the people listening to him. You know what they're thinking? They're thinking about Moses. They're thinking about the wilderness. Remember the manna? God provided manna every day. He provided them bread. God brought the people out of Egypt, and they were in the wilderness. They said, God, we don't have any food. And, and God brought them manna every morning. They would wake up, and there would be bread on the ground. By the way, do you know what manna means in Hebrew? What is that? That's what it means. What, what is that? Well, it's manna. And they didn't know what it was, but it was good, and they ate it. And God saved, gave them manna so they could be saved. And Jesus is saying here, I've come that I might save you. Now, that image is great if you think about it. You go back to the Old Testament, and you see that manna that saved them, and you look at Jesus, the bread of life, the similarities are amazing. The manna came from heaven, and Jesus came from heaven. You see, that manna was a miracle that God supplied from heaven. Manna was, was round and, and white and on the ground when the people found it to eat. And God was giving a picture in the Old Testament of what Jesus is going to do. Round because it's for perfection, white for purity, on the ground to show humility. That is Jesus. It is a picture of Jesus. Secondly, manna was a free gift. Jesus is a free gift. God didn't charge him anything. They just came out one morning, every morning, and there's the manna on the ground. God gave everyone the opportunity to gather the manna. You remember the story? God was giving the disobedient people an opportunity to get the manna. God was giving the obedient people an opportunity to get the manna. It was for everyone. You didn't have to stand in line. You just went out there and got the bread. The manna was free to anyone as long as they believed that it was out there and as long as they received it. They had to believe it was there. They had to receive it themselves. Well, Jesus is also free gift. Jesus is free to anyone. As long as you believe in him and trust in him, that's all you need. Third, manna had to be claimed. And Jesus has to be claimed. You go back to that story in the wilderness. The manna was out there. You couldn't stay in your tent and get manna. You had to go out there and claim it. Well, there's, there's my manna. And you would pick it up. If you didn't do that, you couldn't wait. It would go away. It did you no good. And so Jesus, the same way, he has to be claimed. You have to go and claim him as your Lord and Savior. You just can't sit back and say, well, I'll do it next week. You may not have next week. This image that Jesus is giving, they understood the manna. And Jesus is saying, I am like the manna from heaven. God gave you the manna. 
Moses didn't give you the manna. God did. I am the bread of life. So why were they mad? I mean, you would have thought this would have been good news. But if you look at the story, you see how many times they were upset. Look at verse 41. The Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Go back and look at the stories. Notice how many times they were upset with him and why. Look at verse 28. Therefore they said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? You know why they were mad at Jesus? They didn't want a Savior. They wanted power. That's why they asked Jesus, how, how can we do the works? Tell us how we can have this power. They wanted power to do whatever they wanted to do. They wanted power to get, to get things. That's what they were saying to Jesus. How can we do this? They didn't want a Savior. They wanted power. And sometimes we get mad at God because we want God to give us power to get things. God, I want this or I want that. How come you won't let me have this? If you just give me the power, I can get it. We will get mad at God because we want power. Look at verse 30. So they said to him, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? They were mad because they didn't want a Savior. They wanted miracles. Jesus is talking. They said, hey, hey, Jesus, time out. Aren't you going to do a show here? Aren't you going to do a little performing here? We want a miracle. Hey, we, we saw the feeding of the 5,000. That was really cool. Could you do something else? The implication is, hey, Jesus, we don't want a Savior. We want to be entertained. We want to see something different. What sign are you going to do? Here is Jesus offering to them strength and life for living. And they say, hey, we want a sign. You know, we need that sign because that's important to us. And sometimes don't we get mad at God? God gives us his word, and we say, God, can you just show me something? Lord, if, you, if you're here, could you do something to show me you're here? As, a, as opposed to believing what God said in the Bible, we want a sign. We, we want to see something. We want to experience something. That's what they're saying. Look at verse 31. Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. You know why they were mad at Jesus. They didn't want a Savior. They wanted tradition. Hey, Jesus, remember the wilderness story? Our fathers, that's what happened to our fathers. We want to be like our fathers. Our fathers would go out and get bread. No, we're hungry all the time. Could you do that? We want that tradition. Jesus didn't come to keep tradition. In fact, he came to burst tradition. I mean, that's what he said in, in the book of Mark. He said, people do not pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Jesus said, I, I didn't come to keep tradition. I came to burst the tradition. Here they are. They say, hey, Jesus, remember, remember the story? Our fathers, they had the manna. We'd like to see that. Look at verse 34. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. They were mad at Jesus because they didn't want a Savior. They wanted a gift. 
Jesus is talking about eternal life, but they're thinking he's talking about the natural bread. He's talking about himself, but they're hearing the bread out of heaven like manna. They said, could you just give us the gift? We don't care about the giver. We just care about the gift. Don't we get mad at God sometimes? God, why, why didn't you give me that, what I prayed for? God, I prayed and you didn't give me what I wanted. And we become so concerned about the gift that we forget about the giver. Look at verse 41. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him because they said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They didn't want a Savior. They just wanted to do what they wanted to do. They just wanted to do what they wanted to do. They began to grumble. By the way, that word grumble has two meanings. One, one is, is, I don't understand. But the other meaning in the Greek language is, I'm not getting what I want. They grumble because I'm not getting what I want. It implies there's something I want, and I'm not getting it. In other words, I'm mad at you, Jesus. I'm not getting what I want. They don't, not only do they not get what Jesus is saying, they're not getting what they want. And because they're not getting what they want, they get mad at Jesus. Don't we do this? Lord, this is what I want. Give me that new house, a new car, a new job. Lord, take away this issue. Take away this problem. Lord, Lord whatever it may be, we, 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 Lord, this is what I want. I don't want a Savior. I just want you to give me what I want. And here is Jesus, the King of kings, the Son of God, offering life eternal. And that's not what they wanted. So. What was Jesus' response? Well, first of all, back in verse 26, he says, you need faith. He said in verse 26, truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. He said, you, you seek me because of the signs. And by the way, that's plural. So they saw more than the feeding of the 5,000. They've seen some other signs of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, Here's the problem, guys, verse 26. You, you say you see me, not because of the signs, but because you ate of the loaves. You saw something, and you want it again, and you're not living by faith. You've got to see something in order to live. That's not faith. He said, if you're going to follow me, it has to be faith. The, the problem was not a lack of proof. He proved everything. They wanted more. They wanted to see things. And by the way, you've got to be careful. We do the same thing. Sometimes we say, Lord, I, I don't have faith in this area. I don't have faith. Jesus says, hey, you need to have faith. Number two, he said, you need to seek God. Again, in verse 28, they said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? In verse 29, Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. In verse 31, they talk about our fathers ate the manna. Verse 32, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, it's not Moses who gave you the bread out of heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. Jesus said, you keep talking about Moses. You got to have faith, but you got to seek God. You're talking about Moses. Moses did not do anything. Moses did not give you bread. Moses did not give you manna. It is from God. Therefore, quit looking for the manna and quit looking at Moses and start looking at God. He said, that's your problem. You need to look to God. You see, the manna did not come from Moses. It came from God. The manna was provided by God. It was pictured from God, not man. And in their religious piety, they couldn't understand it. 
They can understand that salvation is coming from the Lord, not from themselves. In other words, they're not going to be able to work their way into heaven. So you need faith. You need to seek God. And finally, you need to accept Jesus as Savior. Look at verse 52. Jesus said in verse 51, he said, I will give the life of the world is my flesh. Now, that's kind of a gross thing to say, but Jesus is making a point. In verse 52, they were really concerned, what do you mean by eating the flesh? And so what Jesus does, he keeps talking about that image. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true blood, and my is true food, and my blood is the true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Now, here's what Jesus is saying. He's not talking about the Lord's Supper. A lot of people think he's talking about the Lord's Supper. No, they don't even understand that right now. He's taking an image. It's a figure of speech. It's a uh, metonyme, I think is what they call it. It's when you take a word picture that means something bigger. For example, we say Washington. Well, that means federal government. We, images like that. Jesus is saying, you've got to eat the flesh. In other words, you've got to embrace. You've got to consume. You, you, you've got to take me in. The, the same thing with the drinking. He said, you need to take me in. Here's what he's saying. If you're going to follow me, you've got to embrace me totally. You've got to take me totally. You see, all of us have something we eat and drink. Again, this is symbolic. This is what Jesus is doing. What is the center thing in your life? That's what you eat and drink. For some, it's success. They are consumed with it. I, I, I know people. All they do is success. All they want to do is, is I got to be successful. Some people, it's money. They're consumed with making money. Some people, it's popularity. Oh, if I can't be popular, I, and they're consumed with it. That's, that's what they eat and drink. It's kind of an uh, expression. It's the center of their lives. What makes you tick? That's what you eat and drink. Jesus is saying, if you want me, I've got to be the center of your life. I've got to be what you eat and what you drink. It's not good enough for you to just look at me as a good teacher. That's not going to work. It's not good enough for, you, for me to be your inspiration. That's not good enough. It's not good enough for me to be your example. That's not good enough. I must be the nucleus of your life. I must be the center of your life. I must be the motor of your life. I must be everything to you. That's what he means. He said, if you do that, you will have life. Jesus said, you need to have faith, and you need God, and you need me. There was a short story many years ago called The Necklace. The story is about a poor woman who was invited to a party and she had pride because she didn't have enough money. So she went to a friend of hers, a wealthy friend, and asked, could I borrow your necklace? And she said, yes, you can borrow the necklace. And so she wore the necklace. But unfortunately, it fell and she lost it. And she didn't know how to tell her friend, I lost your necklace. And she came home and she told her husband, I lost the necklace. That, that's an expensive necklace. I don't know what we're going to do. And so they decided, well, let's go buy a replacement we don't want her to know that you lost the necklace. She, I mean, she's such a friend. She loaned it to you. And so they went out and bought the necklace. They had to borrow money. They had to sell everything they had. They had to borrow money. 
for years, for over 10 years, they had to pay off the loans for that necklace. The financial stress of that finally came to a head. They paid off the necklace. And the lady said, I've got to tell my friend. I, I've been lying to her all these years. And so she went and told her what she had done. And her friend said, oh, my. Didn't you realize I gave you the imitation? It wasn't worth that much. This woman had worked all of her life for something that was an imitation and something that was fake. And there are people all around us. They're spending their entire lives seeking something that is fake, that won't satisfy, that won't sustain, and won't save. But Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the bread of life. And if you've never given your life to him in a personal way, will you do so? If you're online, you text the word today at 270-398-5005, and a minister will give you a call. And talk about your decision for giving your life to Christ. He is the bread of life. If you're here tonight and you need to make a decision, either giving your life to Christ or joining our church, whatever decision it may be, when we begin singing, I'm at the front, just come to the front and talk to me. But Jesus is the bread of life. Would you stand and pray with me? Father, we pray that we'll quit seeking things that do not satisfy. We pray, Father, that our thoughts will be upon you. And Father, begins tonight doing this invitation. Father, if there's anyone here or watching online that has never given their life to you, Father, let today be the day. Father, like that manna in the Old Testament, let them just go out freely and accept it. Let them tonight, tonight come to Christ freely and accept him because the invitation is for all in Jesus name amen